Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosso. It gives me great pleasure to welcome our regular weekly guest, Russell Hanby, What's Making News. How are you going there, Russ? Good, thanks, yes. And you're going well too, I believe. Who told you that? <laughs> a little bird told me that a few minutes ago, yeah. <laughs> right. Wouldn't have been a magpie, would it? Probably, that's right, yeah. <laughs> I got I got swooped by a magpie yesterday. First not... time for the season. On my bike, first time for this year. I thought I was right because usually they knock off about now, the nesting. But, uh, yeah, just near the little golf course near me. So uh, came out four or five goes at me too. That'll teach you to not be too generous to Collingwood. Yeah, you probably heard what I said last week to you about the, your, your big loss the other week. Yeah, yeah you were gloating. It was not <laughs> not a nice thing to do, Russell. Anyway, actually <laughs> this week's the final and we'll be talking about that. Um, so did the bird get you? I got my helmet. I could hear it. I could just brush past my helmet, you know. And it used to wheel away and then came in again and again. And so I had to sort of pedal furiously straight ahead. And uh, after about uh, 20, 30 metres, he, he went away. So Gosh. I think it's always the male. The male, I think, is the one that protects the nest and uh, leaves the female back with the little one. Gosh, interesting. You didn't come off your bike or anything because you've no, done that before. But I, but I will for the next few weeks vary my route, I think, uh, give him a bit of a detour. Yeah, because it can be quite it can be quite frightening. Yes, the magpies can be um, quite aggressive, and you're right. Um, this is a little late; it's earlier in the mating season um, normally. But maybe that set of magpies are just a bit later than others. Well, you're still with us. You didn't get concussion or anything. No, no, still here. I'm right there. Yeah, excellent. We had no homework. You should be fresh as a daisy. That's right. <laughs> I think I was fresh as a daisy last week at this time, wasn't I? <laughs> Actually, the word fresh can have many meanings, can't it? You know, we love to play word games. Fresh as a daisy, meaning fresh. But there's also, I remember when I was young, that was a term, that was a word used, it was a long time ago. Don't get fresh with me, son, and things like that. Remember that? Yes, it was like I being, do. It sort of means cheeky, doesn't it? Yeah, yes, uh, I think so. Or getting too close to someone and they don't appreciate it, becoming a bit fresh with them, you know. Yeah, it was an... These days, I think, with the relationships, it could be hit on and might be the expression they use today. Is that what it is today? Yeah, 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 he's a bit fresh. Yes, that was 40, 50 years ago, wasn't it? It's funny how the language words come and go in terms of... um, in terms of uh, their popularity at, at any given time, it sort of tells you quite a bit about um, the time sc- time frames in in, yeah. in in society. And of course, being a teacher, you pick up the uh, all the generations as they come through. You know, like uh, I remember yeah. when cool came in m- many decades ago, and before that was grouse. Remember everything grouse, was grouse. Everything's grouse. Then it was brilliant. Remember brilliant yeah. came in for a little while. And of course, um, back in the thirties and forties, we had the old-fashioned bonza. It was a bonza, was a it? bonza night, a bonza night out, meaning a great night out. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. It really is. And then there's words that um, just don't get used. I mean, one is loquacious. Now, have you ever heard anybody use that word in in recent times? Loquacious. No, you sort of read it in print more than say it. I think, don't you? You know, yeah, loquacious, loquacious person. Yeah, yeah, it means you talk a lot, doesn't it? Mm. And here's a word that I remember 
Um, I could never work this one out for a little while. I was flatting in Armidale many years ago, back in the 70s, and my landlord was there. He lived on the premises too. It was a big house and they let out a few rooms. And uh, we were chatting about something and he says, Ah, you're very perspicacious, Henry. And I remember saying, perspicacious? What's that mean? So, oh, you're perspicacious. <laughs> and, and of course, I had to go and look it up in the dictionary. But if you ask people today what the word perspicacious means, I bet you that nine out of ten wouldn't be able to tell you. No, no. It's just one of those things. Things just change and they fade away, some of the old words, don't they? Do you, do you know what perspicacious or perspicacity means? Uh, very alert or bright or clever, I think, doesn't it? The clear thinking sort of thing. Perspicacious. Yes, you're pretty close. And we'll let what you... is... I'll look it up. That'll give you a little bit of homework, perhaps. Do you want a you bit got... of homework? Oh, no, no, we won't worry then. <laughs> well, I think it means you can, you're perceptive, doesn't it? You can see things, through things. Yeah, perspicacious. It's similar in meaning to shrewd and astute, but a sharp mind will discern subtle differences among them. Yeah, that's what I said. Being keen mental perception. (laughs) I thought at the time when he told me this, because he had a bit of a funny look on his face, David was his name as I recall, I thought, oh, (laughs) that doesn't sound too good. That didn't sound like a nice word, perspicacious, but it was actually a compliment. Yes, oh yes, it's good if you call that. You can be called a lot worse names, couldn't you, than that? <laughs> oh yes, and, and and dare I admit, that has happened to me in my life. <laughs> I'll tell you though one thing, Russell. I think the worst words and names I've been called have been called under my breath by myself, to myself, in moments of absolute disappointment and frustration. Frustration, something, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. I, we, we can't repeat some of them on air, but can you recall... Bad mouthing yourself ever? Oh, I think so. Yes, uh, but we won't, as you say, elaborate too much on that. No, no, it's an interesting. What's the nicest thing you've ever said about yourself? Oh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I tend not to say nice things about myself. That's a bit vain, isn't it? If you do, oh, I mean, about yourself you, to yourself. Like, do you, well, do you, do you look in the mirror and say, "Oh, I'm looking good today, aren't I, Henry?" Do you say that? No, I don't. Actually, <laughs> actually, actually, that's an interesting one because I think. The majority of people, when they look in the mirror, I'm just I'm just anecdotally here um, saying this, Russell. I think people look in the mirror, and I think, and metaphorically so too, and they see the things they don't like about themselves rather than the things they do, um, and and it, more so than looking in the mirror from the point of view. Wow, gee, look, I'm at my top. So I look at that. Look at this. Yeah. Look at that. Uh, yeah. I think and it it uh, probably doesn't do our self esteem all that much good when we do that. No, and of course you've got to be wife, uh, watch it when your wife or partner says, "Do I look too big in this?" You're, you've got to be think very carefully about your answer sometimes, don't you? you know? Do I look too big in this? Yes, meaning is it too tight and showing where they don't want it to show? You yes, know? You, you do have to be very careful because if you say perfect, it looks good, then the next person they ask says, "Look, it looks good, but." It, it, just a little bit, they'll come back to you and say, you lied to me. <laughs> and you say, well, I was just trying to make, don't lie to me. I've just been severely embarrassed. I've gone out in public looking blah, 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 blah. So it's a, it's a, a fine line to get that one right. But on balance, I think it's always wise to find something nice to say about it, even even if the the final compliment the final thing is look I don't think it is especially if they've already bought it that's right yes. yeah because 
then they might not be able to get a refund. <laughs> yeah, I think diplomacy plays a big part too, Absolutely. doesn't it? Absolutely. Well, we've only got a couple of minutes again. We haven't even started, Russell. So, well, we'll see you next week then, Handy. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the first segment, Handy. <laughs> oh, where do you think that magpie came to swoop you? Where do you think it came from? Yeah, I, think I, think about I know it. now. Think yeah. about it, yes. <laughs> well, we'll get one of them done before the break. The age, Russell. The state could be hydrogen energy hub. Victoria could become a hydrogen energy powerhouse through a 20-year plan to invest in new technologies and retrofit Geelong's Ford factory to create thousands of jobs. Now, that's a fascinating one, isn't it? Yes, it is. And we often talk about clean energy and that in this segment, don't we? But uh, today, uh, the John Curtin Research Centre says that Victoria should develop a hydrogen industry that fuels green steel production, power vehicles, and delivers super cheap uh, power to homes. The research also recommends a union-backed $20 million hydrogen centre for excellence in Melbourne. That's to establish uh, a skilled workforce. And uh, the uh, existing gas pipelines could be used for hydrogen, they reckon, uh, to carry it. The hydrogen is produced at industrial scale from water through a process called hydrolysis. And the hydrogen plants powered by renewable energy produce no greenhouse emissions. Now, being at Geelong, the old former Ford factory, we can see that on the, on the old highway as we go in, that's being re-established as a manufacturing hub and wind turbine site by Danish energy company Vestas. And that would support a new Victorian hydrogen facility. And also what's good about that location is nearby to large supplies of recycled water and existing gas pipelines. And uh, at the same time, other states have developed their hydrogen strategy. So it looks like they might be further advanced than uh, than previously thought. Mm, absolutely. And anything that we can get clean energy, I would argue, would be a good thing. Now, nothing's free. What's the What's the potential dangers or debits in going hydrogen? Uh, well, I don't know the way that reads there. It can come from uh, water, essentially, and uh, uh, I suppose the setup cost is always there, but uh, I guess it's uh, safer and cheaper than the, the current gas, you'd think. Well, you would. You would think so. Um, it's the lightest element, colourless, odourless, tasteless. That's uh, right. First element, I think, on the uh, table, the uh, atomic table there, the pure table, isn't it? Hydrogen. Yeah. Yeah, so there's virtually no problems with it. Well, not on not well, I can see anyway. So if they develop it and test it through, we might uh, might be good. Yeah. Um, now they say not to use it as a gas for cooking. Why would that be? Uh, possibly because it might, as oxygen joins it, uh, it might be exploded. I think doesn't it? Uh, hydrogen with oxygen. Thanks. That, that is true. It's actually named after the Greek words, hydro for water and genes for forming. It makes up more than 90% of all the atoms. Uh, it's the most abundant element uh, around and it's essential for life. I remember when I first started teaching, I, we made hydrogen using the chemicals that made it and uh, I uh, had it in a treacle tin with a hole in the lid. Uh, you know, I had a hose down one end getting the hydrogen in and I, I lit it. And uh, it, uh, the idea was that the explosion would blow the lid off the treacle lid. Well, it nearly did, but it could also have been like a hand grenade. I, I still shudder at what could have happened with that experiment. That's true. Remember the hydrogen balloons that were made? Yes, before the helium, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, yes, it was. And, um, yeah, so um, 
Might be very interesting. Uh, it's do you know it's the main component of Jupiter and the other gas giant planets, according to it, some studies. Is it? No, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and weren't those hydrogen balloons like the Zeppelins and things? Didn't weren't they? Yeah, uh, the Hindenburg was the most that, famous airship. It caught on yeah. fire. Yeah, that's right. So and NASA it, uses it as rocket fuel. So so you'd have to be a bit careful with the, the, what you did with hydrogen at the other end, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, because the explosion is always a possibility, and there'd be massive explosions, wouldn't they, in hydrogen plants? Yes. But, yes. but it's got some benefits, and uh, we probably need to look at it. We need and um, the Herald Sun's got an interesting one on the big tech uh, companies, Russell. You might like to elaborate. Yes, Australia's competition watchdog has called for new laws to shut down unfair and unconscionable behaviour by tech giants in Australia, including their failure to remove celebrity-based scams on social media. ACCC chairman uh, Rod Sims has he's called for a ban on the social media giants from using personal data to target vulnerable groups with online ads and the practice of uh, duplicating popular products from their own partners. Uh, and also new laws, new laws are planned to force Facebook and Google to pay for the news that they use on their platforms uh, before the end of 2020. Of course, meanwhile, the multi-billion dollar firms, they've been cam campaigning vigorously against uh, the new code on their platforms and social media sites. Now, other new rules would prohibit the non-removal of known devastating scams that we mentioned, and in some cases, seeing prominent individuals' reputations damaged. So they're trying to shake up uh, the main players, aren't they? Yeah, well, I, I think that's a good idea because I've noticed in recent times there's been a proliferation of ads inserted on these social media platforms, and you'll see somebody like uh, George Clooney or um, somebody like a, a prominent uh, businessman who's made a lot of money um, and they're there talking or appearing to be and they're promoting one of those pyramid scams that yes. um, you invest your money in and eventually lose a lot of money. Uh, and it looks very, very authentic. Now, uh, I, I can't see why the big tech companies should be allowing ads on on their platforms uh, that are clearly designed to swindle people of their money. And a lot of people have been uh, sucked in by it too, haven't they? Yes, and, and of course if it's your, if they're using you as the talking head behind supporting this scam, that's where you can get the reputational damage. I mean, um, you, you see these prominent people with uh, good reputations and uh, it, if you were one of those people, you wouldn't be too happy, would you, Russell? No, you wouldn't. I think you'd be spitting chips, wouldn't you, really, about it. So why can't the big tech companies eliminate it? I don't the, know. The scam they, ones. Yeah, because so, they, whether they're getting money out of it indirectly too, I suppose, to, to have it, do you think, put on? But, uh, yeah, but there's plenty of very... authentic revenue streams. Um, shouldn't they be monitoring... Who goes on there? I mean, isn't there a duty of care to the people who are their clients? You'd think so. This new uh, social media has sort of got under the uh, people people's eye, pulled the wool over their eyes for a long time, I think. Uh, whereas we've got traditional like print media and radio and that that's been they've been the regulations have been there forever, but uh, they seem to have got away with a lot more too. Well, uh, just, the, just because they're big tech companies shouldn't mean they get away with it. 
No. And you'd so think I, they'd have the resources to address it. Yeah, it cost them money, but it. I mean, they can't just say we need to make this amount of money, and therefore we'll allow dodgy business on our platforms. No, that's right. So I think you can't. Really, I can't find an argument against why why the code wouldn't be supported by uh, by those two firms. Do yeah, you? yeah. You, you you'd think they would. It, um, presume, possibly it's greed. Greed, mm. I think. Yeah, a possibility. Well, well, that's all you can think of, really, isn't it? You, you can't think of any other good reason. Well, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. They're all Sun Russell, Cat's Grand Punt Payoff. We haven't talked about footy much, but here it comes. Maurice Selwood wasn't going to miss the chance to see Sun Joel strive for the coveted title of Premiership Captain. This is the AFL Grand Final, which is coming up, the Australian Football League Grand Final, coming up Saturday night for the first time. Uh, ever uh, out of Victoria and in the evening and it'll be held in the Gabba, that's the Oval there, um, on Saturday night between Geelong and Richmond, even if it meant going to Darwin to get around Queensland's hard border. Yes, it wasn't just a simple matter of um, Joel Selwood's mother um, catching a plane and going up to watch the football in these COVID-19 times, was it? No, in order to enter Queensland, they had to quarantine in Darwin or near Darwin because, as you said, the Queensland borders closed directly to Victorians to cross at the moment. Eight Cats family members of four players, they've spent 14 days in quarantine at the Howard Springs facility. That's the place about 30 kilometres out of Darwin before arriving in Brisbane for the grand final. And they're the parents of Joel Selwood, Patrick Dangerfield, Cam Guthrie and Sam Menegola. And they left before the final series started and gambled or banked on Geelong being in the grand final and it paid off. Uh, so uh, they were lucky in that score. It did cost them a bit. Each member had to pay $25,000 for their accommodation. And uh, they said it wasn't too bad. They had more freedom than hotel with being able to mingle and that, but uh, cost them a bit. And it, but they could have, uh, they may have been wiped out in the uh, early stages, mightn't they? They may well have been, but um, all they get, all I guess they need now is from their perspective for their team to win, and they will be, well, beside themselves, wouldn't they? With yeah, joy? That, I think they reckon the twenty five thousand was well spent to get there. Yes, absolutely. Now. Um, we sort of knew these sort of things that happened with kids going back to school. What's happened in uh, Melbourne in the past few days in relation yes. to schools? Well, a Preston school closes after a student tests positive. A school in Melbourne's inner north has been temporarily closed after a grade five student tested positive for COVID-19. Now, he attended uh, East Preston Islamic School on Monday and Tuesday of this week, while still deemed a close contact of family members who had recently uh, tested positive to coronavirus. Now, at at his at his day eleven testing on Tuesday, that's after he was at the school. He he in fact tested positive. The student and the principal of the school believed that uh, there had been a misunderstanding that led the family to sending their child to school. Uh, his siblings had been cleared of the virus uh, in mid October on the seventeenth of October, and uh, but he hadn't had his eleven day test himself. But as a precautionary measure, the school closed and uh, the nearby Dallas Brooks Primary School uh, is also closed after a close contact was identified. So it's another little little spring up. We hope it gets contained quickly, though, don't we? Yes, and look, it's, it's one of the things that um, it's a cloud there for all people in schools. Uh, you know, um, yeah, kids don't perhaps get it as much, but we're working in circumstances whereby... The social distancing 
rules that prevail outside of schools don't really exist to the same level in schools uh, with people being, you know, in classrooms for three or four hours a day with kids. Um, uh, we just hope that uh, the advice we're getting that uh, we're at very low risk is actually accurate. Yes, and they're still saying that children are not really going to be spreaders in a big way and they tend not to be not like older people. Uh, this case in the Preston area, though the, the family was from a, one of those social housing estates. Mm. They, apparently everybody there has been uh, asked to go into a two-week quarantine or to be tested mm. at least. Mm. So we just hope it's not a spread of what we had a few months ago, don't we? Yeah, from that uh, other school on the other side of town. Hot spot, Russell, this one's a good one. Yes, um, a long-standing but minor air leak aboard the International Space Station has been fixed thanks to a bit of lateral thinking. One of the crew, cosmonaut Anatoly Ivanishim, he uh, carefully opened a tea bag and then watched the tea leaves as they floated into the microgravity towards a scratch in the wall through which the air had been escaping. The hole was then patched up with some sticky tape. The 15-year-old space station, which has had a few maintenance issues recently, will be passing over Melbourne at nine. Well, did pass over Melbourne at 9:23 last night, and uh, you could say they had it down to a T. <laughs> you get 10 out of 10 for that one. You didn't have any tea leaves drop on your head there when you were looking up last night, Russell. I mean, other, no, other, no. other than the magpie pecking, you didn't have tea leaves drop on your head. No, no, I didn't actually. So. <laughs> well, do you know what? For all that high tech, which these um, space stations are, something like a bit of sticky tape and tea leaves solves a problem. That's that is that's got to be, um, I think, a real what is it? A bonza, a bonza solution. <laughs> a bonza solution. A bonza yes. solution. <laughs> um, on that note, we'll call it quits. Who's going to win the grand final, Russell? Because you and my, your team and my team's out of it, so we can be objective. Uh, well, I think Richmond might be stronger, but I've uh, got a soft spot for Geelong. So uh, who I think will win might be Richmond, but I'd like Geelong to win. Yeah, well, I don't have a real soft spot for either, but I think Richmond will win. And what about the NRL? Because that's, that's another big sport. That's on the weekend too. Melbourne Storm, our city, are playing against, what is it, the Queen, New South Wales team, the Penrith Panthers in a final. Well, I guess we're all going for Melbourne, aren't we? Melbourne yeah. Storm, they, they did well last week, didn't they? They think? did, uh, they yeah. did. And the weather for the weekend down here is supposedly going to be very, very stormy. Yes, stormy. And they say it might be a, a bit of a storm up in Queensland too for the AFL. But, uh, yeah, a bit of a stormy weekend or rainy weekend so, we're going to get, aren't we? Yeah, so we've got to batten down the hatches. Is that another t- saying? Yeah, that's. A, I think that comes from the the, the uh, nautical uh, sphere, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Actually, you won't need any homework on that one. All right, then, Russ, we'll call it quits, and you have a great weekend, and we'll catch you this time next week. Keep away from those magpies. I'll try to do that. Yes, absolutely. That was Russell Hanby. What's making news, listeners?